Ridiculous. Welcome to Ridiculous, an extensive look into the world of Harry Potter. I'm Samantha. I'm Julia. And I'm Robin. And we're digging deeper into a world we love to learn more about the wizarding world. Welcome back, everybody. Hello, everyone. We're missing Sam today. She flaked out on us. Apparently she's having problems with dogs, husbands, and babies. I don't know what that means, but... Oh, I, I know darn well what that means. Because <laughs> I have problems with all of those as well. well my, my baby's niece, a little bit bigger. That's true. My niece moved back in, and uh, I thought, oh, this is going to be different. Because she lived us for um, 10 months when she was 14 going on 15 and 15 and so now she's 20 20 i told you she'll be 21 this coming january and uh i was like it'll be different you know yeah it's the same (laughs) stuff i said okay here's some ground rules you can pretty much have anything that you want in the refrigerator you just need to let me know that you're going you know like well i like i have sprite i'm the only one in the house that drinks it so i go in to get a sprite there's one left i said what well, <laughs> now if you're gonna drink my sprite that's fine but you need to let me right, know say something <laughs> so that i don't run out and i said okay here's the limits my creamer my irish cream bailey's irish cream creamers off limits and she was like okay that's fine no problem so amy says uh did you buy me the duck and donuts uh deep calf coffee i said yeah why <sighs> the child's drinking it i oh, said okay boy. well I, I need to know that so i can buy more you know it's, I, don't, I don't care to share i mean i love her you know but you got to work right, people think and we know what we drink and what we don't drink or what we eat and what we don't eat so you have to say oh by the way i've been drinking your coffee right hey, by the way this child puts creamer flavored creamer and then sugar on top of it Ooh, that's too much why would you I, exactly i was like why would you do that she was like do you have sugar i was like uh hmm I think so, but we don't really use sugar. Why do you, what do you need sugar for? For my coffee. I was like, don't, don't you put French vanilla creamer in there? Yeah. Well, then why would you add sugar to it? Well, because I like it. Oh, Lord in heaven. <laughs> yeah, every time I go to Dunkin', I'm not a big Dunkin' fan. I'd rather have Starbucks. But when I go to Dunkin', like, I always get, like, the flavor creamer, but then I leave the sugar out just because I'll be in, like, a diabetic coma. Oh my God, it's too much. It's way too much. That's why you get flavored creamer because then you don't need sugar. Right. It's all in one. You don't got to add to it. Oh Lord. But anyway, <laughs> we're getting there. I came in yesterday. Well, of course I called you on the phone. I came in yesterday and I said, I can't, I, we have to share this desk. She said, but you said you only do that podcast once a week. I said, and regardless of when I do it, I still need to have the desk. Right. It was covered. And I was like, uh, do you need another shelf? No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. So I came in this morning. It was all cleaned off. So we was good to go. I said, all right, there you go. Right. So I'm back into the parent mode. <laughs> Welcome the, back. I know, right? <laughs> Thank God it's more of a roommate because she's paying rent. I said, you don't have to pay rent. Save that money. Oh. <gasps> 
please let me pay rent. I was like, all right, if that's what you want to do, it's fine. Make her buy groceries. <clears throat> yeah, but see, I do it. I do it online. Oh yeah. Then she has to transfer money, and it's just like, what you go buy what you want to eat, and then we'll share, and then I'll just buy a little bit extra. That's all I need, you know. But you need to tell me. Right. If you go and drink my stuff or whatever you you know, you have to let me know. Put up a so, list on the fridge. <laughs> exactly. And I have a board up there, have an eraser board. You just write that you just write it down. Right. We good to go. So I didn't realize that they had this much stuff because when we did um oh <laughs> Patronuses. <laughs> um by the way, before we get into Patronuses, have you watched Oh my god, I forgot what it's called. Oh, uh, the line, the witch, and the wardrobe. I haven't seen the movie, but I read the books. Okay, so you know, there's th- there's three books. There's the line, the witch, and the wardrobe, which is the original. Yeah. And then the second one in the series is called Prince Caspian. And then there's a third one. They've they did all three movies, but the first two were done by Disney, so they're on Disney Plus. The third one. I don't, Disney was like, nah, we're done. So somebody else did it. But the second one has a Mr. Badger. And I was sitting there and I went, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a Hufflepuff. <laughs> he was just the cutest little thing. And I can't remember, they called, they, they called him something. He goes, that's a, I'm a Badger. Don't insult me. I was like, oh my God, it's awesome. He's <laughs> about to go crazy and Badger. He, he was loyal to a fault within the movie for what he was doing, for what his character was doing. I was like, nah, ain't that cool right there. It didn't have anything to do with Harry Potter, but it 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 links itself just because it's mad it's a magical world and it's it's a badger and he's loyal. Right. I just thought that was awesome. I was like, Ooh. Speaking of cute little badgers, I bought yeah. my daughter her first official set of Harry Potter books. <gasps> Oh yeah. Are y'all done reading them yet? Um I'm I'm letting her read it at her own pace. Um yeah. that way she can kind of absorb it as she understands it. And right. then like she's what, nine? Is that how it's well she's almost nine. She'll be nine in November. Oh, okay. So I'm only gonna let her read like one, two, and three right now. Yeah, she needs to be a little bit older when she gets to the fourth one because that's a little scary. Yeah, because I mean I think I was like what like 13 14 when it came out because i basically grew up with the books um but yeah i don't she's not ready (laughs) she's seen she's seen all the movies but the books are way more intense yeah they tone it down for the movies because the book i remember reading i remember reading the first the first chapter going this, this is a children's book right Right. I'm still right, and then I thought, well, he's technically fourteen, so I I get that, but it was that was a little that was a little scary. So right. yeah, I mean, you you have to be, of course, she's a girl, so she's she'll be way more mature when she hits that age, anyway. Right. Yeah, she already kind um, of is. Um, she had because she has a late birthday. Her birthday's in November. She's a year older than most of her classmates, so she's already kind of like way more mature than most of them, anyways. Yeah. But, but yeah. So she's reading right now. She's reading Sorcerer's Stone. 
and like I've been like quizzing her. Like I'll I'll like check where she is in the book, and then I'll like quiz her to make sure she's actually reading it. <laughs> but she's been reading it because she's been getting everything right. I mean, it's not like not like oh, what does page four say? No, right, right, right. Just right. like like characters in general. Yeah. Just just to make sure she's paying attention. But like a good question would be, uh, where is the snake from that he releases from the zoo? Yeah. That's a good question. And then you can ask, it's from Brazil, but where was it bred? It was bred in captivity. Captap captivity. Yeah. Speaking of questions, I just Okay, so I've been doing a lot of Harry Potter trivia online because I saw you came in second place yesterday. Right, yeah. Because you know, hashtag quarantine. Um that's actually <laughs> That's actually the second um second place place that i've made with because i have like a whole team or a bunch of swishers who all got together and that's like what we do a couple times a week is play harry potter trivia and the two who hosted the trivia last night are our swishers harrison and sarah and theirs was hard like the team that won like only won by like five points like it was it was intense and then last week we played one technically we came in first place but like but then there was a challenge and you know technicality so we ended up in second place instead of first but still like that one like the pot was like 200 something dollars and like yesterday we won i think 30 bucks split among no yeah we won 30 dollars split among five people but still, we like made our entry feedback plus plus a little, but it's still yeah. fun. Like we had people from all over the world playing with us last night. Awesome. The, the team that won, we've played against them in multiple other trivia's, and they're a team from there's a two man team from Australia, and oof, they're good. They are good. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did Harry Potter trivia. Um, Amy got, likes to play magic. Do you know what magic is? I've heard like the Magic the Gathering. Yes. Yes. I've heard she of it, but I've never like done it. She loves it, and I could care. I could care less. So my friend, her son, was into it, and she said one day, uh, Dylan, teach, teach, teach Robin how to play. And I was like, Well, what is it? And she goes, You remember Dungeons and Dragons? And I said, Well, yeah, but I never played it. She said, It's like that with cards. I said okay so he taught me and then all of a sudden i got sucked in and i said what has happened here and jen said ha 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 now i don't have to play with him you play with him i was like that's mean that's cruel so whenever i'd go over there he'd be like you want to play magic the gathering and i'd be like uh okay and i suck at it i just suck I just, I suck because you have to read the cards and you have to know what your card does. And I, I got no time for it. I could care less. Well, anyway, so I met Amy, blah, 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 blah. And I said, Hey, Dylan, we were over there one night. I said, I said, show Amy your magic cards. And he goes, Oh, okay. Well, we sat down and we'll play a game. I said, yeah, we'll play a game. Well, they beat me and I was out and I was like, have fun. Now it's on you. And I turned around and walked away. And she fell in love with that game. Absolutely freaking loves it. <laughs> I mean, there's Magic the Gathering cards all over this place. I'm like, oh, Lord. But, I mean, you know, whatever makes you happy. 
Right. Anyway, the, the card place that she goes to, they, every once in a while, will have a trivia night. So they had a Harry Potter trivia night. And she said, come go with me. I said, okay. So we go, and they're asking the questions. And I mean, I'm answering right and left, right and left. And he gets to almost the last, I think the second to last question. And he goes, what was the house elf's name that did not kill... Um, the tea lady, whatever her name was. Tea lady. Uh, that Voldemort killed. What was her name? Um, Hepzibah Smith. Yeah. And I went, oh God. Oh my God. Hokey. And Amy goes, what is it? And I went, oh my God, I don't remember. Hokey. I don't, I, right. I didn't remember. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And Amy goes, what is it? And I was like, I don't know. Oh my God, the pressure. And then of course, you know, we would miss that one. And I was like, and then he goes, her name is Hokey. And I went, oh, mother. (laughs) I mean, it was just like, I knew everything until he got to that one question. And I was like, I have no idea. Oh, my God. In fact, they asked one question and I answered it. And he goes, no, that's incorrect. And I said, do you really want, really? Do you want me to pull the book up? Right. And he goes, no, but here's the answer. And I said, that's incorrect. And I don't remember what it was, but it's one that a lot of people get wrong. And I was like, nope, here it is in the book. Do you want me to pull the book up? And he goes, no, I believe you. <laughs> I was like, you better get your answer straight if you're hosting a trivia right. thing. Right. And that's what happened with the um, the, the $250 trivia. The, yeah. the host had the wrong answer. Yep, see? And, like, there was a big old controversy. Instead of just throwing that question out, they're like, oh, well, technically... I'm like, no! There ain't no technically nothing. No, yeah. Give us that money. You need to make sure you have the right answers. Right. Especially coming at a a bunch of major Potterheads, you better make sure you're correct. Oh, my God, exactly. Now, where are we at on that? Um, I have I have some questions. I have the Zoom. We just got to pick a date. Oh, okay. All right. So, be on the lookout for the ridiculous podcast trivia. Yeah. Not not that I want not that I want to wait that long because I don't know how how long you guys want to wait. But I have vacation in July. Well, technically, I'm still on vacation because. <laughs> Who knows when I'll ever go back to work at this point. Oh, girl. My, I had my customer, a customer of mine. I'll, he brought me a huge gallon jug of disinfectant. And you mix it with a gallon of water. And I bought me a bean sprayer. And I spray. It's like an aerosol. <laughs> so I and everything now. Oh, uh huh. And so now the customers are come in and you've opened the showroom, and I'm like, yeah. And then I'll watch them and I'll mark which aisles they go down. And then when they leave, I go and I spray right after them. Yeah, because they want to touch. They don't listen. What's that movie? Monsters Inc. When they walk around. Yeah. What was it? A sea took. No, what was it? When he had the sock on him, I can't remember what the code was. Twenty three nineteen. Twenty three nineteen. It's a twenty three nineteen. Twenty three nineteen. Twenty three. They'd look at me and go, "Why is she yelling that number?" Right. Because <laughs> you're touching my stuff. That's why. Right. Don't touch. Put up a big old sign. Do not touch. I have. In fact, they they will walk into them and it will smack them in the face <laughs> and want to walk around it. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. 
but... people, people, people. Anyway, alrighty. So today we're talking about Patronuses, and we did Patronuses in our spell episode, but we didn't get into in depth in them. And I think Patronuses are fascinating. Because mm-hmm. they take on your form, what you're feeling at the time, and I guess basically how you feel in your heart. Right. They take on a, on a, a, an animal of that form, and I love it. And they can change, which is also really cool. Right, and they can change. And show what your true feeling is. Some people use that to their advantage and make fun of you (laughs) or put you down depending on who it is. Snape. (sighs) Anyway, you want me to go first? You want to start or so this ancient and mysterious charm conjures a magical guardian, a protection for all of your most positive feelings. The Patronus charm is difficult, and many witches and wizards are unable to produce a full corporeal Patronus, a guardian which generally takes the shape of the animal with whom they share the deepest affinity. You may suspect, but you will never truly know what form your Patronus will take until you succeed in conjuring it. That is from Miranda Goshawk's overview of the Patronus charm. The Patronus charm... Expecto Patronum is the most famous and one of the most powerful defensive charms known to wizard kind. It is an immensely complicated and extremely difficult spell that evokes a particularly tangible positive energy force known as a Patronus or Patronuses plural or spirit guardian. It is the primary protection against dementor, dementors and lethefolds against which there are no defense. There are two types of Patronuses, corporeal, which means a Patronus with a particular shape and form, and incorporeal Patronus. Incorporeal Patronuses have no particular shape and do not protect protect against Dementors the way the corporeal Patronus do. However, some wizards like Remus Lupin choose to cast incorporeal Patronuses to hide their identity. That's the end of my section if you want to pick up the next one. Jules. Sorry, I was having a, a malfunction. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on my own. No, my, my computer, like I couldn't switch screens. I'm like, ah, go back. And I'm like talking into the microphone like you can hear me. <laughs> Okay, so history. And out of the end of his wand bursts not a shapeless cloud of mist, but a binding, dazzling silver animal. He screwed up his eyes, trying to see what it was. It looked like a horse. It was galloping silently silently away from him, across the black surface of the lake. He saw it lower its head and charge at the swarming Dementors. Harry Potter stag Patronus, fending off hundreds of Dementors in Prisoner of Azkaban. It is evident from old woodcuts and scrolls that the Patronus charm has been used since ancient times. Therefore, it is unknown who created it or when it was first invented. 
The charm also had a long association with those fighting for lofty or noble causes. Those able to produce corporeal patronuses were often elected to high office within the Wizengamot and Ministry of Magic. According to legend, one of the most famous patronuses of all time was a lowly mouse, which belonged to a young wizard named Ilias. Ilias cast the Patronus charm when his village was being attacked by the dark wizard Raxidian and his army of Dementors. Despite the mouse's diminutive size, it shone with a brilliant light, bringing the Dementors to a halt as it nimbly moved through the ranks of fleeing villagers. Enraged, Raxidian decided to enter the fray himself and tried to summon a Patronus to ward off Ilias's mouse. However, he failed to remember that only the pure of heart can produce a Patronus, and thus, for the first time in history, it was revealed what happens when a competent but unworthy wizard or witch attempts to spell. Maggot shot out of Raxidian's wand and quickly devoured him as they engulfed his entire body. The villagers then hailed Ilias as a hero. (laughs) Oh, that is. Oh. <laughs> oh. Wow, that escalated really quickly. Oh. I, I'm impressed that you got his name because when I saw that initially, I was like, "What the is that?" And I was just like, "Uh." Did that really well. But my question, though, okay, so it says that that they have to be of pure heart to cast a Patronus. If that's Correct. the case, then why can Umbridge pass up cast a Patronus? That's actually further down in the dock that we're okay. going to discuss that because I, that was one of my questions. Because a lot of Death Eaters can't can't um, cast them, but she can, and so that was one of my questions. And I found I found that. Well, she's so not technically a Death Eater, dock. though. No, she's not. But she's just she evil. Could, she if Voldemort had wanted her. Uh, she would have been up there with Bellatrix. That's how nasty she was. Right. Mm. So I think Voldemort was like, down. this lady's too much. <laughs> yeah, he might have been scared of her. He might have been, no, you keep her at the ministry, but no, no. So, but that is further down that we're going to discuss that. So, okay. Uh, the nature. The Patronus represents that which is hidden, unknown, but necessary within the personality. When a human is in is confronted with inhuman evil, such as a Dementor, they must draw upon upon resources he or she may never have needed. And the Patronus is the awakening secret self that lies dormant until needed, but which must now be brought to light. Patronuses take the form that their casters might not expect, for which they have never felt a particular affinity or, in rare cases, even recognize. Every Patronus is as unique as its creator, and every individual twin has been known to produce very different Patronuses. The unusual witches and wizards who produce a Patronus that take the form of their favorite animal as an indicator of obsession or eccentricity, which is a wizard who may not be able to hide their essential self in common life, who may, indeed, parade tendencies that others might find, might prefer to conceal. Whatever the fo- whatever the form of their Patronus, you would be well advised to show respect and occasional, occasionally caution towards a witch or wizard who produces the Patronus of their choice. Okay. <laughs> I got it to work this time. Casting. Harry Potter. And how do you con- conjure it? Remus Lupin. With an incantation, which will work only if you're concentrating with all your might on a single very happy memory. 
this was their discussion on how to con- conjure Patronus, which fun fact, the first memory, first happy memory that Harry used to cast the attempt to cast the Patronus was when he first found out he was a wizard. That was on the trivia that I was on last night. Awesome. That's so cool. I'm like, hashtag nailed it. But um, the vast majority of witches and wizards are unable to produce any form of Patronus. And to create even an intangible one is generally considered a mark of superior magical ability. Rubius Hagrid is an example of a wizard that cannot conjure any form of Patronus as the charm is too difficult for him. Given their long affinity with humans, it is perhaps unsurprising that among the most common Patronuses when cast, although it must be remembered that any corporal Patronus is highly unusual, are dogs, cats, and horses. To successfully cast a spell, one begins by mustering the happiest memory they can think of. The happier the memory, the better the charm will work. Alternatively, one could imagine a scenario that would make for a very happy memory, as Harry did for his Defense Against the Dark Arts OWL. The next step is to is to begin drawing circles with their wand as to increase the power of their spell. They must then say the incantation, Expecto Patronum. The Patronus will come from the tip of the wand and can be directed towards a target by pointing one's wand at said target. It is possible to disguise the form of one's Patronus disguise the form one's Patronus takes, which is done by both Severus Snape to hide his love slash obsession for Lily Ellen Evans and by Remus Lupin, who felt it would give away his condition. Also, some witches and wizards may be unable to produce a Patronus at all until they have undergone some kind of psychic shock. Although it is extremely hard to fully conjure a Patronus, fourth years in the Defense Against the Dark Arts class in an alternative timeline are tasked with attempting the charm. I, I, y'all couldn't hear me because I have my microphone, but I did laugh at your little uh, Severus Snape joke. I'm sure Sam will appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I find it... Um, when you talk about difficulty and they, and they um they talk about um Hagrid and casting it the thing about that is Hermione has a problem casting it as well right it's, she it's struggles one of, it's one of, yeah it's one of the one charms that she just has a problem with and i i think it comes down to not that she doesn't have happy memories she does have happy memories i think that she becomes so serious Right. That it's hard for her to imagine herself happy. Right. Plus, too, she's more focused on, like, the academia side of it. Like, she's so focused on getting it perfectly right that she doesn't realize that she just needs to, like, let it go. Let the the happy memory kind of, like, flood her and just channel that into it. Right. Exactly. Because it's more about emotion. Right. That that's why you got to have a happy memory because because you have to emotionally feel that happiness to bring out that warmth to create this guardian. Right. And she, and she just <laughs> she has an issue with it. Okay, so uh, the difficulty that's very very advanced magic. The difficulty and the complexity of the charm. The Patronus charm is widely regarded as advanced magic, far beyond an EWT level. In 1994, Remus Lupin stated that the charm was, in fact, ridiculously advanced. Uh, 
This charm was, indeed, so perilous that few wizards' witches could conjure a Patrie Patronus. It is very complex, and many qualified wizards and witches have trouble with it. In fact, Terry is one of the youngest known wizards able to cast a Patronus. He was taught how to do so in early 1994 at the age of 13 by Remus Lupin. In a Dumbledore's Army lesson, Harry taught the members how to use the charm. Some were even successful in casting a corporeal form. Though Harry said this might be because there was no Dementor, Dementor to make them frightened. However, three members were later able to cast corporeal Patronuses in the presence of Dementors. Being able to cast a Patronus whilst fighting a Dementor or not is not required to graduate from Hogwarts, so it is something that is taught under special circumstances. Amelia Bones, and potential member of the DA, were all very impressed when Harry Potter revealed that he could cast not only a Patronus charm, but a corporeal one to the boot to boot, which is notably more difficult than casting an incorporeal one. Given that the success of the charm is directly reliant on the caster retaining a particular mental state, the charm is more difficult to cast in emotionally trying circumstances. For instance, Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, and Hermione Granger all had difficulty casting their Patronuses when under the negative influence of Salazar Slytherin's locket one of Lord Voldemort's horcruxes, and after witnessing the death of Fred Weasley in the final battle. The fe- this feature of the charm is particularly un- un- unfortunate since the charm's primary use is to defend against Dementors, dark creatures specifically equipped to mentally unhinging people, and hence is partly why it is regarded as such advanced difficult magic. Self-confidence may also play an important role in casting of the spell. In 94, Harry is able to cast the spell successfully, driving off a large number of Dementors in the process, which, according to Severus Snape, is only only achievable by a very powerful wizard, thus saving Sirius and a younger version of himself. Seamlessly, without recalling a happy memory, when he realizes that he had already done it, although Harry could have had a happy memory upon realizing that he had saved all three of their souls. And we, we had learned that um, it, it is so difficult that the founding, um, founding members of Hogwarts uh, Gryffindor could only do an incorporeal Hmm. And Ravenclaw and Ravenclaw could only do it in corporeal, and I don't think it. I don't think it tells whether Slytherin or Hufflepuff could eat, do either. Hmm. Um, but they, neither one of them could do a corporeal. They could only do an incorporeal. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, worthiness. Raxidian's demise while trying to cast a Patronus. It is a general belief held by the wizarding world that only those who are pure of heart are able to cast a Patron, cast a Patronus. This, however, is untrue, as several characters with negative personality traits are able to cast a fully-fledged Patronus. Although generally, dark witches and wizards will not try to produce a Patronus, not having any need for one, most wizards will, will be devoured by maggots coming from their wand and consuming the caster. Wow, that escalated quickly. 
For this reason, Lord Voldemort and his Death Eaters were unable, were not able to cast the Patronus charm. Not that it was necessary, as they already had dark creatures under their control via their affinity for darkness and would have no use for Patronuses. Draco Malfoy numbered among those unable to cast the Patronus charm. Severus Snape was the only Death Eater capable of casting the charm. Some witches and wizards of questionable morals, such as Dolores Umbridge, are able to produce corporeal Patronuses. Marula Snide could only... Con- um, Marula Snide is from the Hogwarts and Mystery game. Meh, not canon. <laughs> Marula Snide could only conjure an uncorporeal Patronus, although it should be noted that she was only a fourth year at the time, and it is an advanced spell. The only other wizards known to produce a corporeal Patronus by that age are Harry Potter, Nifedora Tonks, and Jacob Sibling. Yet, yeah, the whole last part is from Hogwarts of Mystery Game. Um, uh, okay. Yeah, from... Yeah, it's from the game. It's oh, I gave up playing it. That's how much I didn't like it. That's the one... Is that the one that um, was on the... Like, you were during Bill's year or something? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I did. I kept running out of power, and then right, wanted me right. to buy more power, and I was like, "No, I'm not doing that." No, right. and I just stopped Too it. Much. It was just stupid. Yeah. Um. So, so there's so here they talk about they do mention Dolores, and I think that you know you uh, you you have different depths of evil. So you have Voldemort, and if we were to compare him, say to like. Charles Manson. Charles Manson actually never killed anybody. All he did was he controlled, um, manipulated, and got the people who followed him to kill people. So his evil was very manipulative. And Lord Voldemort is is that way. He's very manipulative. Right. Um, Even though he does kill people. I mean, you know. Uh, So that's one type of evil. And then you have another type of evil. Let's, for example, say, I don't know, Jeffrey Dahmer, who killed people and then ate them. (laughs) And if you compare, and I, I hate to be kind of gross on this, but if you compare that to Dolores Umbridge, that made... Jeffrey Dahmer, very, very happy. Right. So for Dolores Umbridge, what made her happy and what made her made her all warm and cozy inside was being mean, was being cruel, was being vicious. So that allowed her to have happy, happy thoughts and she could control, uh, you know, produce a cat Patronus. So... And that's how I kind of look at it, even though she's, you know, evil. Right, but that, not, that evilness like, makes her happy. Exactly. And not that the evilness doesn't make Voldemort happy, but he's not he's not evil to be evil. He's evil to to collect power, right, yeah. to control, to rule. And that's not necessarily an evil that makes him all giddy inside. I mean, there's a di- there's a difference. So well, plus plus Voldemort, you know, doesn't have the ability to love, which correct. happiness would go alongside with that. Exactly. So if, if you if you're and not happy, people, you can't love. Most people who seek power don't 
they could give they could care about love they, they, they got nothing to do with it. they could care less and pure evil for example like with Dolores Umbridge she probably can't love either but she has a sick twisted sick twisted mindset on what love is like she probably loves fudge because most of what she does in book five is for him right so it's a twisted type of love so I do enjoy my police shows and when they talk about serial serial killers and catching them and just how crazy people are so speaking of police shows so i love 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 law and order svu my favorite show oh yeah um did you see elliot stabler's coming back oh no is he really yeah um for the 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 start of the new season he's going to be in the first episode and then he's getting his own show like his own law and order type show Oh, sweet. Right. Ugh. I might have to start watching it again because I kind of got off track with it. Right. I mean, it's it's not bad. Um, I love Mariska Hargitay. Um, but yes, Elliot Stabler will be back. Like, did, did you see my post? Did she they 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 got a dog and then it. Oh yeah, they, they named it Grindelwald. Yeah, that's it, Grindelwald. Yeah. I thought that was cute. And, and apparently she's a huge Harry Potter fan, so. Aww. I didn't know that. Me neither. Uh, I'll have to, like, look up to see if I can William, find her house. William Ward posted. She was dressed up as somebody, and I can't remember who it was. He, But he had posted it in in in, uh, in, in the Swisher uh, Facebook page. Okay, so now we're going to move on to incorporeal and corporeal patronuses the patronus a successful conjure patronus can take two forms incorporeal and corporeal and both types vary greatly in their appearances and strength incorporeal incorporeal a thin wisp of silver escaped his wand and hovered like mist before him this is a description of an incorporeal shield patronus an incorporeal patronus is one which does not resemble any living creature and has few distinguished features if any, an incorporeal Patronus resembles a burst of vapor or smoke without any clearly defined form shooting from the tip of the wand. While they may be particularly effective at halting Dementors but not repelling them and shielding the caster from them, an incorporeal Patronus Patronuses are not fully fledged Patronuses and are regarded as more primitive or weaker versions of the charm. A corporeal Patronus Harry Potter. What does a Patronus look like? Remus Lupin. Each one is unique to the wizard who conjures it. This is the discussion of the corporeal forms as a Patronus can take. Severus's, Severus Snape's doe Patronus is the same as Lily Potter's due to his lifelong love, love for her. And now I can hear Sam in the background making vomiting noises. A corporeal <laughs> Patronus. <laughs> <laughs> She will be making those when she listens to this. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can hear it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a corporeal Patronus is one that is fully formed, taking the shape of a bright silver translucent, translucent, Lord have mercy, translucent animal. It is the strongest form of a, a Patronus can take, being able to fully drive Dementors away. The specific animal form is a 
corporeal. Oh, uh, I've lost myself. Oh, now my computer's not working. Uh oh, here we go. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. There we go. Got it. Okay, sorry. <sighs> I lost where I was. Okay. The specific animal form that a corporeal Patronus takes will vary from person to person and reflect each individual's innermost personality. Patronus forms, however, are subject to a change if the caster goes through an emotional upheaval of some sort, including falling in internal, unchanging love. For example, Nymphadora Tonks Patronus changed from its previous form of that of a four-legged creature, which others guessed as a wolf, because then it would reflect her love for Remus Lupin, himself a werewolf. Another example is Severus Snape, whose Patronus was that of a doe, the same as Lily Evans, though this may have been the case along rather than a change from its original form, as Snape was in love with Lily for most of his life. The vomit no- noises again. <laughs> based on the <laughs> based on the fact that Patronuses are conjured by recalling happy memories, it stands to reason that a Patronus might change its form after one falls in love, and the memories used to conjure the Patronus largely revolve around the person the caster is in love with. In addition, it seems that some couples have complementary Patronuses, male and female forms of the same animal, such as Lily and James Potter. It is, however, unknown if this is a coincidence or not. If a wizard is an animagus and can summon a corporeal Patronus, the two may take the same form, as with the case of Minerva McGonagall and James Potter. Remus Lupin's Patronuses take the form of a wolf rather than a werewolf. Whether or not all werewolves would generate a similar Patronus is unknown. It stands to reason that it's likely due to Remus's best memories of his youth revolving around the acceptance he felt despite his condition in which he felt more at home in his wolf form during those times. Rather than cursed by it, and also due to his nature as desiring a sense of belonging to his core, much like a true true wolf. Most Patronuses can take the form of an ordinary animal. Magical creatures, ugh, magical creatures such as Albus Dumbledore's phoenix, Patronuses are uncommon. It is extremely rare for Patronuses to take the form of extinct animals. Hedley Fleetwood's Woolly Mammoth Patronus is a notable exception. I don't know who that is. Is that somebody in one of the games or something? Um, I'm not. I don't remember. I remember that name. Um, I have to like Google it. <laughs> um, Andros the Invincible was the only wizard capable of casting a Patronus the size of a giant. Although whether it was a giant or not is unknown, and the corporeal Patronus was also better at repelling Dementors than the non-corporeal form. Okay. So, uses of the Patronus charm. There are two known uses for the Patronus charm. The first and main use of the Patronus is to drive off certain dark creatures, such as Dementors dementors, and Lethifolds. I have no idea what those are. I have to look it up. And it is the only known charm that will work against them. As Dementors feed on happy memories, causing humans to drown in their own sorrow and sadness, the Patronus acts as a, sh- a shield of sorts, of which the Dementor would try to feed off of instead. The Patronus is com- compromised exclusively of positive feelings and cannot comprehend negative emotion, so the Dementor's influence cannot affect it. The other use was devised by Albus Dumbledore, who invented a way of using the Patronus, corporeal and non, as a means of communication. They can deliver messages 
speaking with the voice of the caster. This source of communication is believed to be exclusively to be exclusive to the members of the Order of the Phoenix. Using the Patronus for communication offers great advantages in security, as Patronuses identify the caster and are dark arts proof. A good example of this is when Minerva McGonagall uses her feline Patronus, or Patronuses, because she sent multiple, to call for help to the other heads of houses in 1998 when she found out that Harry Potter had returned to Hogwarts in search of Rowena Ravenclaw's diadem. Multiple Patronuses can be cast for communication as McGonagall was able to create three. Another is when Severus Snape used his Patronus to lead Harry Potter to a pool in the Forest of Dean in 1997 where he laid Godric Gryffindor's sword for Harry to retrieve. It is unknown if Snape had conjured the Patronus with instructions or if he was hiding and controlling it for this task. Harry's Patronus was able to follow both oral and physical commands. They also only remain active whilst the caster is focusing on them. If they are not protecting anyone, Patronuses seem to take on the traits of the creature they, they reassemble and generally follow their caster around. This makes it unsure whether or not they are sent, sentient. Okay, I... I pulled up the Lethifold. The, le- the Lethifold, also known as the Living Shroud, is a car- carniv- carnivorous and highly dangerous magical beast. It also cons- It's also considered a dark creature because of its highly aggressive and violent nature. It resembles a black cloak, roughly half an inch thick, and appears slightly thicker if the creature is recently digested a victim. That's nasty. It glides along surfaces in an unknown form of locomotion in search of its prey, humans. It attacks at night when the target is asleep by suffocating it and digesting it. Uh, oh, in oh, that, um, what was that? It, other? Must be in, it must be in one of the. I'll have to check my because I, I have the illustrated Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. I'll have to check that book and report back it on is, that later. Okay, it because um, it's probably something. From... It attacked. Uh, you remember Belby? No. The student Belby? No. He was in Harry's uh, sixth year, and mm. he was invited to uh, Slughorn's party. Well, his ancestor was attacked by one huh so i don't i mean i don't well okay so it looks like pottermore mentioned only wizarding world mentioned only harry potter wizards unite <laughs> so yeah this appearance is fantastic beasts and where to find them is the first appearance pottermore mentioned only wizards okay so it must be in yeah so it must be in the book so i'll have to check the book yeah and Report back on it later. Okay, so ent- etymology, Sam's favorite subject. Patronus is the normative singular case meaning protector, guardian, or simply patron in Latin, specifically reflecting the entire role that the Patronus charm plays. In archaic Latin, it it meant father, which is very interesting considering that Harry. Potter's Patronus is the same as his father's Patronus, and an Omegas form a stag. The Latin word expecto 
is the first person singular form of expectar, meaning to wait. Thus, the charm's incantation translate, translates into I wait a patron. Since patronum is the singular accusative form of patronus, uh, meaning it is the case which a noun or an adjective describing the noun takes when it is in direct object of the sentence, which in the spells translation it is. Way complicated. No kidding. <laughs> it just it means protector or guardian or father. There you go. Right. And I wait for I wait for a protector. <sighs> All right. Now to get in art into our patronuses. So my Patronus is a black and white cat. Um, I went into this a little bit in, in the interview episode, but it's always fun to talk about our spirit animals. Um, the black and white cat is listed as number nine on the top 20 Patronus list on the wiz- on wizardingworld.com. Um, the traits of a wizard with the bl- or witch with the black and white cat Patronus are talkative, active, and intelligent. According to Wizarding World, 1% of people have a black and white cat Patronus. None of the main characters in the Harry Potter series ha- has a black and white Patronus. McGonagall's Patronus is a tabby cat, and Umbridge has a Persian. Cats in general represent patience, independence, and curiosity. Black and white cats are not a specific breed, but rather just two colors that cats of different breeds can come in, also called tuxedo cats. My dad actually has a super cute tuxedo cat. His name is Clyde. Black, as a color, represents power, elegance, death, and mystery, whereas white represents purity, light, and innocence, and cleanliness. Put them together, and you will generally get comparisons to the rival- rivalry between good and evil. Having a black and white cat as your Patronus means you find comfort in balance. You have no fear of the darkness. Hashtag Gryffindor power. You appreciate the mysteries and the unknown and love re- reveling in it. At the same time, though, you can you can appreciate the other side and enjoy the simplicity and morality of light. You are a neutral sort. Whether you are lawful neutral, enough to color in the lines, or chaotic neutral, enough to just not care what people think of you. Regardless, you make your choices with a lot of inner thought and deliberation, patiently Fighting your time for your best opportunities and listening to all the options before making up your mind. This also makes you incredibly flexible and open to new points of view. Should you ever find yourself trapped in a cage of despair and hopelessness, this Patronus will come for you, bringing light where there is dark and deepening shadows where there is relentless light. It will make your vision clear again and help you reestablish your footing so you can leap back on, leap back to your feet and take down your adversary. Wow. <laughs> Never thought in a million years I would own cats, and I have four of them bad boys. And apparently we've adopted two more outside. <laughs> well, our theory is that people are letting their animals go because, you know, you can maybe get the corona from them. You cannot. You can't, people. You cannot. Stop it. Yeah, I and quit letting your damn animals go, and now they're coming to my house. <laughs> I, I got enough. I don't need no more. Yeah, I have a cat. Well, I have a black and white cat she's mostly black but she has like a patch of white on her chest my little mimi she's around here somewhere she usually comes she comes in here when i record but so yeah she's my little patrona she's oh here she is (laughs) she heard me call her name and jumped up on the bed she came in her mama called her name so my two older cats um sheldon lee cooper and lego lego my kitty went to the vet 
and Lego fat. And we got in trouble and we were told he has got to be fed less. And we were like, how are we going to do that? It's quarantine way. <laughs> so, so this is what we do. So I feed them wet food in the morning and I put a no, one can. So that's one can for one cat and it's split between four of them. And I put it on a plate and I put it in the room. So now Amy at nighttime, she is going to put out food for one hour. If you don't get up there and eat, then it's gone away in a, an hour later. So that's not what we're going to have to do. But apparently, we Amy said, I should we got in trouble. I was like, We, no, uh-uh. I'm not the one stopping the cat. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, apparently, the vet thought because you, you go and you park in a parking space and then you call them and you go, I'm in parking space number, whatever. Yeah. And they come and get them and then they do the exam. And if they have questions, they'll call you back on your phone. So she called and she was like, How, what are y'all doing about food? And so Amy told her and she said, I think he's he's gorging himself during the day when y'all aren't there. And so now we have to oh, limit the food. So, yeah, I, so my, I, do what? I, say, I, I also have an orange tabby named Waffles. You want another one? Because we got one that's running around outside the house. I'll ship it to you. Let's see. Okay. I would love another cat. My husband said no more animals until we move into a big house. Damn. Because I have Mimi, Waffles, my dog Max, and then we have my mother-in-law's old lady cat, Bella. She's uh, 12. Yeah, 12. But yeah, my husband's like, we have more animals than people in this house. Uh, we do we in fact olivia goes you said you had four cats i said we do she goes i've only seen two i said because the other two are skittish i said you have to wait till i feed them and then they all four are there at the same time sure enough i said come here she came over i said she goes oh i didn't even know you had those two i said that's because they've been hiding they don't know you they have to get to know you I would love for my Patronus to be a dog, especially a Jack Russell Terrier, you know, like Ron's. Yeah, it's not. It's a Kingfisher. And I didn't get like the information you got. I just I just pulled the the properties of a Kingfisher. Kingfisher is a bird and it belongs to. Uh, the family of small to medium-sized, brightly colored birds in the order Chorus I don't know what that word is. Oh, girlfriend, me They neither. have a cost. Do what? Girlfriend, me neither. <laughs> well, we'll just leave it like it is. They have a cosmic cosmopolitan distribution with most species found in the tropical regions of Africa, Asia, and Oceania. The family contains 114 species and is divided into three subfamilies and 19 genera. So I'm liking that. I like to be in the tropics. (laughs) All kingfishers have large heads, long, sharp, pointed bills, and short legs and stubby tails. Most species have bright plumage with small differences between the sexes. Most species are tropical in distribution and a slight majority are found only in the forests. They consume a wide variety of prey, usually caught by swooping down from a perch. While kingfishers are usually thought to live near rivers and eat fish, many species live away from water and eat small invertebrates. 
Like other members in, of their order, they nest in cavities, usually tunnel uh, tunnels dug into the natural and artificial banks in the ground. Some kingfishers nest in ab- arboreal in termite. Yeah, okay, termite nests. There you go. And the trees, because arbor's tree. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Sam's not here to talk about her Patronus, so maybe uh, next time. Not, she has a horse. You know what she has? A horse? I think so. I she has a horse. Yeah, and she don't like it. And uh, we don't have a, a history of magic. Because that's Sam's job. That's Sam's job. <laughs> uh, we don't know what happened today. I guess I could look it up. Let me let me go up here. Why why is it not working? Here, I got it. You got it. Okay. Um. Okay. So on this day, Ignatia, Ignatia, Ignatia. It's a girl. Wild Smith was an inventor. She traveled in the 13th century, or traveled in the 13th century was slow, even for witches. Early brooms didn't have much speed and tired out their riders. Ignatia Wildsmith, 1227 to 1320, found a better way to travel. She invented flu powder. Ooh, sweet. All right, be sure to join us. On our Facebook page, Ridiculous Podcast Group, and on Twitter and Instagram at Ridiculous Pod. You can follow me on Instagram at jstjohn0422. You know, follow me at Running My Pups. And you can follow Sam at Samantha. Did you say that? Samantha Goddard 03. No, she's not here to do it. Oh. She doesn't get it. Well, I mean, yeah, but we do it for her. That's what okay, we do. Okay, fine. You can follow Sam. Actually, she changed her Instagram. It's, it's just Samantha Goddard now. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So you can follow Sam at Samantha Goddard on Instagram. Also be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. We don't know what we're discussing next week, people. So we have to have a um, ridiculous meeting and then it'll be a surprise. Find out. You'll find out next week. It'll be a surprise. (laughs) It'll be a surprise. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for listening and we hope you come back for more Potter. We do not need magic to transform the world. We carry all the power we we need inside ourselves already. J.K. Rowling. Are you going to say go be freaking kind? Oh, go be freaking kind and wash your hands and don't touch your face and, and don't touch your- <laughs> wear a mask. <laughs> wear a mask. Yeah. All of all of the things. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye.